0: good morning. Good morning, friends. Um, how are you today? It's great to see you. I would love to begin today um, by reading God's Word. Um, let's, let's begin with this timeless um, letter of 1 John, and I'll read it, and please enjoy listening to it. First John, chapter 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, and we have seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and what we have heard, and so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son and with Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. I love that scripture, passage because it appeals so much to my logic, and I hope it appeals to yours. Those of, us, those of us who haven't seen Jesus face to face and touched him and, and, and heard his voice, but those have. We have a witness of believers who have written to us that have seen it and touched and heard the evidence of what we wish we have heard ourselves. So I hope that it speaks to you much as this to me. Hey, welcome to um, October 30th. This is, this is kind of a special day in our, um, I guess you could say, our church history. Um, those of you who might know—I'm sure you do—that 505 years ago, in this very country, there were some very thoughtful, some very brave, some very intelligent men and women who, who would not stand up, or, uh, who decided to stand up to the hypocrisy that they saw in our church. It was a very embarrassing time for our church in the 1500s, and. Clearly, our church needed reform. We, we needed truth spoken into leaders that didn't have any accountability. And so, um, much of what we celebrate today through the Protestant Reformation has reflected into our churches. You have a church right now where you have a Bible that you can read it. The German language that we, that we speak today, that some speak today, not me, but some speak today, Exists because of Martin Luther's translation of the Latin into the German vernacular, which we still have today. Our churches, where we celebrate the Word of God, is um, is a is a reflection of the Reformation. The fact that each member in our church has value and has a gift and has a calling is a fruit is fruit from the rest fruit from the Reformation. It's not just the clergy that has calling. You have a calling as a military person, as a homemaker, as a baker, as a whatever profession you have. God has given all of us a calling to redeem all of of our life. So fruit from the Reformation, I hope you enjoy it today. We're going to sing some Reformation hymns today. As you know, our beloved organist is not here today. Um, She's out not feeling great, so we sent her home and let her home relax. So. But Ryan is here, he can introduce our first hymn to us today, a hymn that I hope you treasure and notice, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. We wanted to give you the German as well as the English, because we live in Germany. And why not, why not just celebrate the German as well? So Ryan's going to introduce us, come on up and introduce our first hymn today. And um, if you'd like to sing it in German, it's there for you as well. So
1: does everybody have the handout? Oh, sweet. Okay, I, I want to begin by saying this, um, this is like a dream come true, my my, my chaplainy is coming out, uh, I'm like really excited that it's Reformation Sunday, and I never imagined in my whole life that I would get to preach in Germany on Reformation Sunday, so I decided to go all out, and I just wore my, I wore my lederhosen today, so <laughs> here we go, okay, yeah, uh, are you whistling, Dave? Don't please don't whistle at me. Okay. And you know, there's no there's no accidents. Uh, Susanna's out, but but we have technology. So what I'm going to play is a very special version of "A Mighty Fortress Is Our God." Uh, it was written by um, Martin Luther, but it was it's sung by a group called um, the Prom- Maranatha Promise Band. Remember, is it, any men remember the Promise Keepers back in the '90s? Well, I I sang this song in the 90s, and uh, this is a very special one that I I chose. So if you would stand with me and have your your Mighty Fortress lyrics,
0: and let's sing this together. And we also want to share with you probably the castle that inspired Martin Luther to write. Those of us who came on the Reformation tour um, last month in September, we went to Mansfield where Martin Luther grew up. So this is the fortress that he would look at often as a young boy. So he might have thought of Wartburg Castle. We don't really know. But in his childhood memory was this castle that he saw. And so there's probably a connection to how he wrote this hymn. Go for it. Okay.
1: This is a, this is a, a hymn slash rock and roll version of Mighty, mighty Fortress. So just uh, brace yourself. Oh, Thank Thank oh, oh.
0: Ryan. <laughs> hey, again, we're just very thankful to have you all uh, join us. Um, this is our humble little patch chapel. Um, we, we offer you our hearts as pastors. We offer you our, our just transparency. We offer you a chance to, to rest, a chance to make, to have a chapel family, um, chance to sing together, to to hear the word of God taught, hopefully well and uh, sincerely. Um, if you look at your bulletins, there's a couple announcements I just really want you to see. Um... One is, um, uh, Helena's not here, so I'm not going to mention PWOC. But there is a new youth minister in town. And he is a wonderful gentleman. I don't think he's here today. Grady, are you here? Um, he probably got back late last night from the football game. Um, yes, over in Ramstein. I know a lot of you guys were there. But Grady is going, Grady Brown is his name. He's from Club Beyond, which is a wonderful, wonderful European connection of youth ministers. Um, that the aim to support parents first in the discipleship of their children, and to reach out to our community to have a great experience for our teenagers here while they're in Europe. So Grady is getting together with communities throughout Stuttgart, listening to the needs before he just jumps into youth ministry. So this coming Tuesday at Patch, this is not written in your bulletin, but if you are interested in becoming part of that Patch network. They're going to be meeting at 1730. That's 530 um, on Vermont Strasse in Ryan and Jeanette's house this coming Tuesday. If you're living in Panzer, they're going to meet this coming Thursday at the, in the Salvogs house, building 3118. Come talk to me afterwards if you meet at Panzer and I can connect you to where that meeting's going to be taking place. And then next Sunday, not this Sunday. Is that right, Walendis? Next Sunday, after chapel... I think the time is 2 to 4 p.m. We're going to have a gathering on Kelly. And so that's 3408, building 3408 B3. That's Gary and Becky Wallenda's house. And so just come together, and we're going to support our youth minister and make sure Stuttgart is really taking off with a youth ministry in the right way. Okay. So with that thought, um, Ryan, I think we're time for our next Martin Luther Hamm. Are you ready for it? Okay, why don't you come up here, and we're going to kind of change a little bit from our program. Ryan found a hymn that was written by Martin Luther that speaks to his sermon today, Psalm 124. So why don't you take it away and introduce it. The okay, there you go.
1: So in our series on Psalms
2: of Sets,
1: uh, we're, we're today we're in Psalm 124, and Martin Luther wrote a hymn called uh, If God Had Not Been For Us. If God Had Not Been On Our Side, and he just... He takes the words straight out of Psalm 124, so if you please stand with us, I'll put the words on the screen here, and uh, uh, please stand. This one's not so rock and roll, so...
3: Joshua Linda and I'll be reading the scripture for today. The Old Testament scripture is Isaiah 62 1 through 5. It will be found on page 529 on your pew Bibles. Isaiah 62 1 through 5. For Zion's sake I will not keep silent and for Jerusalem's sake I will not be quiet until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a burning torch. The nation shall see your righteousness, and all the kings your glory, and you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord, and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. You shall no more be termed forsaken, and your land shall no more be termed desolate. But you shall be called, My delight is in her, and your land married. For the Lord delights in you, and your land shall be married. For as a young man marries a young woman, so shall your sons be married you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. The New Testament scripture is Ephesians five, fifteen through thirty-three. It shall be found on page eight hundred and twenty nine in your Pew Bibles. Ephesians five, fifteen through thirty three. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise Let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God.
0: Thank you, Josh. So out of the Protestant Reformation also came this greater understanding of what the married life ought to look like. Um, as you know, Martin Luther was single for most many of his days, and um, because of that time, he was able to make use and wise use of his days. He he would work hard, very diligently, and all of the the, the work of the Reformation was due because he had those that that um, that ability to work hard as a single man. But one of the grievances he had with the churches um, is that the is that pastors should be able to take wives and to love them as. As, as we should, and to be able to raise families and pastors should be able to relate to the congregants in very meaningful ways of also raising a family. And our scripture today reminds us of the value of both singlehood, of making wise use of our days, but also of the extraordinary privilege we have as married couples into modeling that beautiful metaphor between Christ and his church. The church Reverencing, respecting, respecting Jesus, but then also Jesus laying His life down sacrificially for His for His bride into death, cleansing her, taking the role of husbandry just in such a servant like, not lording it over. But and we even see that in Martin Luther's life when he later married a married a nun, Catherine, um, giving deference to her, to respecting her extraordinary leadership of the home. Such a beautiful relationship they had and the children they had that uh, it is quite a remarkable picture for us to think about, even on Reformation Day. So during a time of silence and confession, I just would like you to think about that concept of, of, of singlehood and maryhood, and, and perhaps ask the Lord right now in our time of silence of how we might make best use of our time as singles and as marrieds. Lord, convict us about the days we have left in our life. Um, They are short. We are here in Stuttgart for a very short window. So help us make good use of our homes, our life, our efforts, our gifts, wherever they may be. Um, Especially those um, who are married here as well. Help them, help us, help all of us have the fuel to, to see God's vision for how our marriage might look to society as a picture for how jesus loves his church thank you for that reminder today lord we don't read the scripture passage often enough but thank you for bringing it to our minds today lord we also come to church to chapel bringing a gift that's what god's people always have done throughout time is to bring a gift their encouragement their cooking their preparation for a sermon a word of encouragement healing, grace, perhaps money. So God, whatever gift we bring it today, we bring it cheerfully, we bring it out of help to the furtherance of the strength of your body of Christ. And as we collect money today, um, I hope that it might be spent, I know that it will be spent to the success of your ministry here in Stuttgart. So thank you for the gift you've given us of being a very well-off community. Um, we're probably the richest community in all of Europe, maybe perhaps in the, all of the military settings. So thank you for what we have. And help us um, use it generously. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Askers, please come forward if you will. Thank you. I hope you were able to get a copy of this when you came in. Um, This piece of paper that says, Prayers for Stuttgart." Um, at the top of the paper. What you have before you is such a gift, and I I want you to see this and receive it as as the gift of it is, because what you have in front of you are 63 different heart-written prayers that you have given to us. Isn't that beautiful? You know, we were um, contemplating that hopefully we could get up to 95. Uh, 95 theses, 95 prayers, and that would have been fun, but, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because prayer is intensely personal. Um, prayer um, can be and ought to be individually done in the quietness of your home, in the closet where nobody sees. That is beautiful and important. But there also is a time and place for praying as a group for corporate prayers and through the psalms that we're studying right now remind us that prayer is often done as a group so what ryan and i have decided to do with your permission is to walk through some of these prayers that were written by you and shared by you and ought to be celebrated by you together and so we're not going to walk walk through all 63 that would be way too much today but i thought we could handle 10 And so, I would like to have the honor of just reading through the first ten prayers that our community has put forth. And maybe next week, we'll do another ten. And then the next week after that, we'll share another different ten. They're all different and so varied and beautiful. Some are very short and some are a little bit of substance to it. But they're all beautiful in their own way. So, prayer number one. Dear Heavenly Father, would you center our minds to the rea- reality and the power of the resurrection of Jesus, that I witnessed event? Dear Lord, help me to slow the busyness, the business of my life and my heart to make time for you. There's nothing more important than relationship with you, so help me discern my tasks. Remove that which does not glorify you and add to your will. Then, please, Lord, aid my feeble abilities to complete the slate of your docket. My time is yours. In Jesus' name. Amen. Merciful and loving Father, we thank you for everything you give us daily. We thank you for our health, our family, our jobs, and all the good that you have created for us. We pray that you forgive our sins. We pray that you help us to be closer to you, to become more like you by filling us with your Holy Spirit and to never doubt your unconditional love. So help us to be faithful, dear God, no matter what we face in life. We praise you, O God. We ask that you have mercy on us. In Jesus' name, amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we lift up to you the mighty city of Stuttgart and the 5.3 million people in this metropolitan area. The city's slogan since 2008 is Das neue Her Europas, the new heart of Europe. Nobody knows how to create a new heart better than you, almighty God. As prophesied in Ezekiel, may you, through the grace offered in Jesus Christ, give each of us a new heart and to put a new spirit in us Remove from us our heart of stone. Replace it with the heart of flesh, led by your spirit in obedience to you. Save us from uncleanness. Wash away all our sins. Rebuild and cultivate the villages and towns of Stuttgart. Fortify us with your sure foundation. Fill our city with flocks of people serving one another in unity and in love. Amen. Dear God, help us, please help us show each other grace as we navigate stressful times. Lord, please provide opportunities to minister to people needing to hear you, of you. Lord, help us find more laborers for the harvest, specifically mentoring to those in the Stuttgart community who do not know you, who look to live a better life and be taken out of our current negative circumstances they're living in. Number eight, I pray for the youth of Stuttgart, that they will feel proud of the gifts that God gave them, that they will feel comfortable and happy in the bodies that God gave them, and that when they look in the mirror, they see themselves the way God sees them. Help them focus on the beauty that exists inside themselves, not the negative messaging of the world. I pray for leadership, local government, parents, bosses, that they would lead us in a direction pleasing to you. We pray for the upcoming elections, that you would place the right person in office to honor you. And our last one for today, Heavenly Father, we ask, you to shed your healing grace upon the Stuttgart community to give hope, healing to those struggling with an affliction or addiction, it is through your grace we heal and prosper. Thank you, all of you who read those prayers. Lord, these are just ten of the 60 prayers that we offer you today, so so honest and so sincere, so right to what we need prayer for. God, hear them and help, our, help further these prayers. Help put substance and action behind the things we said today. Jesus, your, uh, your prayer, the Lord's prayer, reminds us to be present in the moment of today. So, Lord, as we pray this prayer today, as we think about the future, we come back to the present today. And we say, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us today our daily bread. Forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you.
1: Very powerful prayers, powerful scripture. Thanks, Eric. Good morning, everybody. Uh, as, as I said earlier, uh, my name is Ryan, and I, I'm, I'm just part of this wonderful family here at the Patch Community Chapel. Today, we are in uh, week five of our Sermon of Ascent series. But, as I said before, this is a very, very special day because it's Reformation Day. So October 31st, 1517, this this German monk named Martin Luther uh, posted 95 a list of things. He could, he probably could have been 64 like us, but because he repeated himself a lot in that six in those 95 theses, uh, there's a lot going on here. You could you could take classes on this in seminary, but I'm going to hook you up, and I'm going to summarize this whole thing in about 30 seconds, and you'll never forget it. Okay? So here here's the whole. Here's the whole Reformation summed up in 30 seconds. But um, I'm not going to read this because that's kind of boring. Uh, let me see. Oh, look at this. I found one of these. Okay. I'm going to sing it for you. Okay. In 15 15- Now you have uh, $4,000 worth of education summed up in, in one little song. That is, the Protestant Reformation was huge. But I would like to ask you, I mean, once he did this, the church was never the same. Does anybody know how old Martin Luther was when he, when he posted, when he vandalized that church? Anybody know? Take a wild guess. In 1517, Yes. So he was 33 years old. That's pretty young. And at the time, the, the Holy Roman Empire was the greatest power in Europe, probably in the world. So you have this young man going against, standing before all the authorities in the world, and saying, hey, you guys are wrong. What possesses a man to do that? What gives someone the courage to stand up, to, to speak truth, to power, when it could be his life? Because back then, if your theology was off, well, you they killed you. They, they would kill you. And so Martin Luther was, was deemed a heretic. Years later, in the Diet of Worms, he was put on trial. And his, what he said was so classic. Um, and I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to summarize it. He says, I, I can't take back what I said because, because God. I can't take, because my convictions. And it's the same thing that Paul said, uh, where I, I just have to do what God says. I can't do what man says. So his conviction over the word of God is what propelled him. I teach my kids this all the time, that there's two types of people in the world. Those who do what they're told no matter what's right, and those who do what's right no matter what they're told. And we strive to be the former. There is, there is a—I I ran into someone the other day, and, and, and we had a disagreement on something— and, and this person said, well, I, I just do what I'm told. And I go, wait, be careful. Be careful with that, with that phrase. That's exactly what they said here a long time ago. But when you do what's right, when you have convictions and you do what's right, then it really doesn't matter what people think. You stand up for truth. You challenge the status quo. So another way to sum up these, like if you could look up, just Google, what are the 95 Theses? And so there, he, there's... Point after point after point, he lists all these things, and he kind of repeats himself a lot. But the major themes he really didn't like the selling of indulgences, and it's that that's this. Uh, this guy was saying, if you buy these, if you buy the sheet of paper, then it would lessen your time in purgatory. And even now, today, the Roman Catholic Church. I just talked to Father Hessling, who's who's a Roman Catholic priest here for Stuttgart. He, we, we sat down and we talked about all these, and I got the Catholic perspective on the Reformation. He said there's a growing uh, appreciation that, Cat, that Roman Catholics celebrate the, the Reformation. And because Martin Luther never intended to break free from the Catholic Church, he just wanted to reform it. And that's one of the things that they got rid of. They got rid of, they said, yeah, you know what, yeah, that's true. The selling of indulgences was wrong. They went, they, they got rid of that. The, the five solas are this. I'll let you read that. So if you were to sum up the, the 95 theses, it would be in these five solas. And this is, this is Orthodox Reformed theology. Sola Scriptura is scriptures alone. Sola Fide is by faith alone. Sola, uh, solus Christ, uh, sola Gratia is by grace alone. Solus Christus or Solos Christus is uh, by Christ alone and uh, Soli de Gloria is for the glory of God alone. So you put them all together, that's the Reformation. That's Reformed theology. We believe in Scriptures alone, through faith alone, by grace alone, through Christ and in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. Now, if you ask a Roman Catholic priests what do they think about these things, well, one, they, they reject uh sola scriptura because they have scriptures plus traditions, plus the church, and the pope speaks ex cathedra, and then so that's, that's how they get their, uh, their word from God, okay? Uh, sola fide, by faith alone. Well, what Martin Luther stood against is that there were things that weren't just by faith alone. It was, it was through these different ordinances and different sacraments. There's seven sacraments. You could look at that at a separate time. But through these seven sacraments, people receive grace, uh, the third one, uh, sola gratia. Now, you ask Roman Catholics, they'll say, no, no, we, they, we still hold to that. We believe it's by grace alone, that salvation is by grace alone. It's not earned or deserved. So grace means you don't earn it or deserve it. It's unmerited favor. So in, in theology, there's, there's two ways to, to uh, present the gospel, just basically. So if you have someone that says, it's by faith alone, through Christ alone, by grace alone, then that's just no no works involved. No works involved. An orthodox Christian would say you're saved by grace through faith. No works, okay, at all. Uh, some cults would say if you want to be saved, then you have to uh, also join my church. You have to also give me this much money. You have to do this, this, and this. And anytime, anytime there's a list of things that you have to do in addition to faith in Christ, well, we would call that cultic and works-based salvation, and straight up a, a, a false gospel, right? If, if you add anything to believing in Jesus, it's addition to. Now watch this. There's a third view. It's, it's a little bit more sneaky because the works don't come up right front. Like a, a cult person could knock on my door and say, hey, would you like to join our church? And I'd say, well, what, what do you got? I always say that. What, what do you got? And they start explaining their way of salvation. I go, that sounds like an addition to faith. Like, that sounds like I have to do these things as well. That's easy, to, that's easy to find out. You can sniff that from a mile away. What's sneaky is what's in the church right now. The works aren't up front, but they say things like this. And some of the reformers said this. We're saved by faith alone, but the faith that saves is never alone. Have you heard that before? Of course, we, a lot of us have heard that. But I want you to see where the works are coming in. The good works don't come in the front door. They come in the back. They come right through the back door. So, when, we, when we're introduced to the gospel, we say, Oh, yeah, fully thrown in Christ alone, I, I don't have to work for my salvation. And then later on, five years down the road, someone looks at you and they say, Huh, how come your life's not changed? Oh, so you don't have works? Or you're not going to church anymore? Or you're, you're still looking at this? You're still treating your family like this? Hmm, maybe you're not saved to begin with. We've heard this. That's bad theology. You know why it's bad theology? Because the works didn't come in the front door, the works came in the back door. They're still there. So if I attach my salvation to any kind of work, it's a false gospel. But we've accepted that. You go to, you go to the, I would say, 99. I'm going to throw a number out there. I would say 99% of the churches mess and they dabble with this sort of back-loaded, back-door works gospel. They'll look at you and they'll like, go, I don't know. I don't see, see changing you. And it's attached to works again. But if we're saved by grace, guess what that implies? I saw a tweet. This is a beautiful tweet. If we're saved by grace alone, that implies our lives are pretty messy. Anybody got a messy life in here? Like this morning for us, for the brain household, was amazing. Everybody's laughing and getting ready, and Kyler was the first one dressed, right? It was just like not a cloud in the sky. It was beautiful, right? But we've had some times where we're really going to need some grace, like we're about to, like, Rah, like like yelling at each other. And then, and then I finally I jump in and I yell, you better get your butts to church. we got to get there on time. Okay? There's, but, but because we're saved by grace alone, it implies that all our lives are messing. So what we can do today, what we encourage everybody, just, just, just let's not pretend that we don't need grace. Let's not pretend like we don't need grace. I think one, the first time I met Eric, uh, he goes, hey, Ryan, if we're, if we're going to be friends, I'm going to need you to give me some grace. I was like, I'm going to steal that line. I love that. Okay, so uh, scriptures alone, faith alone, grace alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone, because he believed that they were doing things for giving other people glory other than God. That's the, that's the Reformation. We could spend a lot more time on this, but I'm going to now transition us into Psalm 124 because a lot of these things, they, they lead over into what I'm going to do today in talking about salvation, because Psalm 124 is about salvation. And what I would like to do is be like Martin Luther, and challenge our status quo theology. And just because we've done things a certain way, just because we believe things a certain way for a long time, doesn't mean, it doesn't make it right. It's okay to challenge what we believe. It's okay to step back and say, I used to get, I used to get so bothered when someone said, does it, does it really say that? And I'm like, oh, you can't say that to me. I, I took a Bible course. I, I know what I'm talking about. And then I go, oh my gosh. It doesn't say that, and I'd be embarrassed, and I would have to say, you're right. Man, I didn't know that. And I love getting corrected, especially when it comes to Scripture. I love getting corrected because it means I'm growing in my faith. I'm growing in my faith. Okay, Uh, I'll I'll end with this. There's a modern song written by, it's a handful of people, but uh, Upper Room sings it, uh, Community Worship sings it. And in the bridge of this song, it says this, and it just it stuck with me all week. Shake up the ground of all my tradition. Break down the walls of all my religion, because your love is better. Your love is better. And that, and that stuck with me, and I'm wondering how hard it was in 1517 for the church to really let go of the things that they've done just because they've done it for so long. And ironically, this place is called the, you know, the traditional service, but, but I'm always going to ask you to... to Go To God for to challenge your traditions, it's okay, it's okay to cheat for your views to change. I, I know my, my kids' theology will probably change over time, and that's okay. People do it all the time, it's, it's, it's a sign of growth, it's a sign of growth. But when we dig our feet in and we say, I'm not changing my view on this, then, then um, I'm really putting God in a box, and He'll, he'll grow us. Okay, here we go uh, Psalms of sense. If you'd open your Bibles to Psalm 124, Psalm 124 is a beautiful psalm of, of praise and of thanksgiving. As you're turning to Psalm 124, these are songs. This is the original Spotify road trip playlist for the children of Israel. As they would travel 70, 100, 200, 700 miles from wherever they lived up to this, to this uh, city called Jerusalem, which was on a hill, they would sing these 15 psalms. The ancient Spotify playlist. They'd be like, all right, put your stuff on, let's go. Psalm 120, and then they would go. Psalm 12, and then when they got to Psalm 124, this is a very interactive one, and I'll, we'll read it like this. My version, I'll be reading the, the uh, Christian Standard Bible. Verse 1 says this. If the Lord had not been on our side, let Israel say, if, verse 2, If the Lord had not been on our side when the people attacked us, then they would have swallowed us alive in their burning anger against us. Then the water would have engulfed us. The torrent would have swept over us. Verse 5, The raging water would have swept over us. 6, Blessed be the Lord who has not let us be ripped apart by their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the hunter's net. The net is torn, and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. This is a, a, beautiful, a beautiful passage that allows these people, as they're singing it, to reflect on everything bad that's happened to them up until this point. So there are four pictures here. I was, I was on YouTube, um, Kylea, my, my, um, my 10-year-old. You're 10, right? Okay. My 10-year-old and I were watching YouTube. Sometimes YouTube, you can find some good things. For the most part, our kids aren't. I do not want them on YouTube because you never know what you can see. But in this instance, I found this video. I'm not going to play it. I'm just going to talk about it. It's called Battle at Kruger. You know where Kruger is? It's in South Africa. And this is an epic battle. There's a, there's a, there's a herd of buffalo. And, and a pride of lions is over here. You know what a pride? It's just a pack of lions, okay? And they spot these buffalo, and they start, you know, they, what lions do? They start creeping up like this, and then they, they run. The herd splits off, and guess who gets left in the back? The baby buffalo. So this, this, this uh, lion comes and just wrestles this buffalo like a souffle, and they, they roll into the water. And so this, this lion is latched onto the back of this baby buffalo, and as they're pulling it, the buffalo's trying to get into the water, and they're pulling the, uh, the bu- baby buffalo, and now the other lions come, and they pull it to the shore, and they start tugging, and then two crocodiles come up and swim behind, and then you can see they start biting the leg of the baby buffalo. So now this baby buffalo is like getting tugged this way and this way, and the thing's about to get ripped apart. It is, it is the most... It's, that's why I want to play this, because it's like... Uh, rated R animal stuff, okay? It, it's violent, it's violent. So this thing's about to get shredded, right? And then uh, later on, it's an eight-minute video, later on, the, the cameraman pans to the left and hundreds, hundreds of the buffalo come back. It's like the mama buffalo and the papa buffalo came back and said, it's on now, game on. So the buffalo come, right? It's a, it's a ton of them, And then they rush the pride of lions. Everybody gets scared. The crocodile splits, and the lions are are sort of on edge now. And you see this: the biggest buffalo comes up, and he gorges one of the lions. One of the lions goes flying off this way. And then the other lions come, and then they're scattering. And then this this big buffalo just scares away this lion, this lion, this lion. And then in the midst of the ruckus, the the cameraman pans to the baby buffalo who, who runs off with the pack and lives. So yay, baby buffalo. I share that to say this. That is Israel right there. That's us, too. If we think about our lives, like we could have been torn apart by so many things, whether mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically. Um, And the fact that we're, all of us in here, what thing we have in common is we're all still alive. So that means God's not done with us yet. No matter what's happened in our lives, you're still here, we're still here. He's not done with us. And if it wasn't for the Lord who had been on our side, we would have been ripped apart. If it wasn't for the Lord, we would have drowned. If it wasn't for the Lord, we would have been ensnared. If it wasn't for the Lord, we would have been swallowed alive. So if you look at this passage, there's, there's, there's four pictures that, that David, because David wrote this song. There's four pictures that he gives for the Israelites. Four pictures to show, look it. I want to show you that salvation is all God. And 0% you. That's the Reformation theme. Grace alone, through faith alone, Christ alone, you have nothing to do with your salvation. You have nothing. I say again, you have nothing to do with your salvation. But Ryan, didn't I have to believe? Look, I look at it like this. If we were dead on the floor and God came alongside and said, huh, that person's dead. I'm going to bring life into them. I'm going to resuscitate them. I'm going to give them life. And so he does CPR, and he brings us back to life. How much did I have to do with that? What percentage did I contribute to my coming back to life? Nothing. I just received it. I just received it. In, in, in Reformed theology, some people would say, like, uh, like, like a John Calvin, remember? John Calvin who joined the Reformation in France, um, that, that God predestines everybody. Okay, so here's the four pictures. I found a lot of pictures online of animals swallowing up other animals, but I don't want any children to have any nightmares in here. I saw a python swallowing a whole alligator. It was just gnarly. It was so crazy. But I put a dolphin here, because dolphins are nice. Okay. But uh, a picture here, look at a dolphin swallowing something whole. That's the first picture. That just show. I mean, for something to be swallowed whole means you're, to- it's, it's not fair. It's not fair. That means one, the, the first animal is huge, and the second animal doesn't stand a chance. Just, just like that. Boom. And this is a fairly large fish. Usually at, at SeaWorld or whatever, there's little, like, anchovies or whatever, the dolphins are just swallowing them alive. That is the picture of Israel and their enemies. Um. Swallowed alive uh, is, is often used uh, in scripture. Now, um, let me look at here. Um, look at First Peter five eight. First Peter, First Peter five eight. First Peter five eight says this: Be sober minded and alert. Your adversary or your enemy, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour, like eat alive. Resist him, firm in the faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout, throughout the world. So swallow it alive, uh, is, is just shows, look it. If it wasn't for the Lord, you would be toast. And they would respond, yeah, we would be. We would be. It's, it, it's admitting, right? Okay, if it wasn't for God, I would be, I'd be toast there. If you keep reading, uh, if the Lord had not been our side, when the people attacked us, they would have swallowed us alive. That's the first picture. Second picture is verse 4. Then the water would have engulfed us. The torrent would have swept over us. Verse 5, the raging water would have swept over us. What's the first thing you think of when you think of water engulfing people? Don't don't look up there. Ah, you looked up there. Okay. What what biblical story do you think of? You think of being engulfed by water? What did you say? Yes, the Red Sea. The Red Sea. Exodus 14. When the children of Israel left Egypt. They left Egypt and they went to the across the Red Sea in the Promised Land. And then in, in this story, God opens up the Red Sea. The children of Israel go through on dry ground, and then he closes up the sea on all the Egyptians. Have you seen the Prince of Egypt? Yes, this is one of the, one of the stories. There's, there's many many movies about this, but imagine what that would be like if you're walking through, and I don't I don't know how actually I don't know how deep the Red Sea is, but it's really deep, and all the ocean's coming over you. That, that you wouldn't stand a chance. If it wasn't for the Lord, they would have been in that Red Sea. Okay, now the third picture. Go to, go to uh, the third picture here in verse six. Blessed be the Lord who has not ripped, who has not let us be ripped apart by their teeth. So in the first instance here, in the first instance here, you're being swallowed. This is being drowned, and then this is being ripped apart by teeth. It's a little bit different death. Kylie, as we were watching this video, she said, "So would you rather be attacked by the python?" Or would you rather be attacked by the lion? I go, neither. Would you rather drown? Or I mean, these, they're, they're all horrible. They're all horrible, horrible deaths. But this is a different one. It, it's being ripped apart. Um, this one, being drowned. They, they're all, they all remind me of different things in my life. Like this. Anybody ever felt like you're just drowning in your own emotions? Anybody? Yeah? Well, yeah, we can relate. And people just felt so overwhelmed with grief, so overwhelmed, so um, being attacked, like, like being ripped apart by other people. All it takes is, is one little word. All it takes is one someone on the, at recess saying the wrong thing to you, right? Someone making fun of you, and you feel like you're being attacked in one of these things. And guess what, children? When you grow up, it doesn't change. People are still mean. They can still say mean things. They can still attack you. It, it never goes away. But guess who's on our side? Guess who's on our side? And if the Lord is on our side, it really doesn't matter what's going on here because God is our salvation. He's got us. And, and, and Jesus never says anything bad about you. Did all the children hear that? It, Jesus never says anything mean to you or bad to you. So when people are saying mean things or bad things, we reflect on what Jesus says about you, and it brings you back to the truth. Okay? It brings us back to the truth. You hear that noise, by the way, like all, all the noise of children in here? That is a beautiful noise. It's a beautiful noise because it shows that we are growing as a congregation. So we, we love we love the noise. Okay, so one, two, three, four. The fourth, the fourth picture there is, is a bird. Birds were meant to be free. I, I, I don't know any other animal that's freer than birds. You see a bird flying through the sky. They're just as free as can be. And when you see a bird entrapped in a snare or a net or a trap on the floor, it's just not right. And here, David is reminding the children of Israel uh, in verse 6, Bless the Lord who has not let us be ripped apart. And we have escaped like a bird from the hunter's net. The net is torn and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord the maker of heaven and earth. That's verse 8. John Calvin, the reformer who was in France, had a service in Strasbourg. Anybody been to Strasbourg? It's right down the road right here. Two hours down. You know how John Calvin would begin his services? With Psalm 124, verse 8. He would begin the service with this. He would say, call to worship, and he would say, our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So, okay, these are all the pictures, these are all the pictures that Israel would think of as they're singing this song, and it would be amazing for them. Now, just really quickly, I wanna I wanna talk about salvation. Because this is the theme here. We're saved, this is the Reformation theme. How are we saved? Is it by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, or is it through di- different sacraments, is it through different works? Are we saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone? Or do I need the works later on to prove that I'm saved? I would say no. Don't don't mess with that. Don't, Don't do that. You leave it alone. It's all God. It's nothing. You do nothing. A chain is only as strong as its weakest link. So in the plan of God to save man and woman and mankind, if you have any link in that chain, the plan is going to fail. Its plan is going to fail. If it's all God, then the plan will not fail. So here's the plan of God. Now I have here, uh, I was writing in my journal, and I I just had this beautiful picture this week. I, I wrote this, I drew this last week. And I pictured the children of Israel coming out of Egypt, and then phase two into the wilderness, and then phase three, they were all headed towards this place called the Promised Land. The Promised Land. Um... My brother has a 65 uh, a Buick hot rod, and his license plate was uh, Loma, the land of milk and honey. The land of milk and honey. So uh, the, the promised land was always the objective, that they said, oh, there's this promised land. What is it? Well, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. It's the Loma. But watch this. Follow me here. And I've, I've really, I've never, I told Eric, I've never heard anybody really preach this. So I'm, I'm delving into some uncharted territory, maybe. But what if leaving Egypt was symbolic of their salvation? They were in bondage, literally in bondage to to Pharaoh, and they were enslaved, and they were making these pyramids. Okay, but as soon as they crossed the line, okay, the Red Sea was this line that they crossed, and as soon as they crossed that line, they were technically free people. They were free, without any inkling of going back. They couldn't go back into slavery. Once they, they were once freed, always freed. Once saved, always saved, if you will. But, now look at this. What was life like here in, in freedom? What was it like? Well, this is what they did. They went down here, they went down here, they went up. Oh, Moses, talk to the rock. Okay, I'm not going to talk to the rock. He hit the rock, and boom, he, he messed up. And then how are we going to eat manna and complaining? It's the, they call it the Meribah generation because in Hebrew, Meribah is complaining. Okay, the Meribah generation. And for 40 years, there are people that died in this generation. They, they worshiped different gods in this generation, and they did this. Anybody feel like this? Does anybody feel like this, like you're having good days and bad days, and you're like, gosh, I, I'm, this this sin still? I'm still struggling with this. I thought I was way past this and you, you make some track, you, you keep going along, you end up back here and back here for 40 years. Anybody feel like that? We can be honest in here. I feel like that sometimes. I, I, I look at my life sometimes, and I go, oh, I thought, that, I, thought I already kicked that habit. of it. Lord, it like looks like it's another day where I need you. looks like it's another day where I need you. And so they, they do this a lot, and then even their leader, their fearless leader, who helped split the Red Sea... Did Moses make it into the promised land? Nope. He was right here, Mount Nebo. He saw it from a distance, but he didn't get to enter. There are two people. Scholars tell us that there are upwards of two million people who left Egypt. Two million people. You can read the scriptures. Sometimes they only track the men, but if you put it all together, it's probably around two million people. Okay, I'm going to do some public math here now. How many people made it in? Out of the two million people, how many people made it into the promised land? Yes. So, that means the ratio of people who made it in was one in a million. One in a million. Now, what, what, if, what if it's this? What if this is how we're saved right here? Like, okay, they didn't do anything to earn this or deserve this. They just, hey, everybody, we're leaving now. Okay, so we're saved by grace through faith. Boom, they're into the wilderness. And then whoever gets in here, there's, a, there's another type... Of salvation, there's another type of freedom that's better than the first freedom, and it's this land flowing with milk and honey. So, what if the majority of Christians hang out here? I mean, yeah, they're saved. They're saved, but they hang out here. And what if the what if only one in a million? What if only one in a million Christians are hanging out here in this? called the land of milk and honey what if there's only one in a million who are truly experiencing the freedom that God has for them truly flying like a bird unhindered in the air versus a bunch of birds on the floor with a net over their head stuck not knowing how to overcome things not knowing how to deal with certain emotions not knowing how to forgive not knowing how to love not knowing how to become love, always criticizing, walking into a room and finding anything they can say bad about everybody in the room. That's not Christianity. That's not Christianity. This is, this is what we're called. I think you can be a believer in Jesus and be here for 40 years. In fact, I know it's true. This is what I do for a living. I listen to people for a living. And behind closed doors, they tell me what they're struggling with and I respond in, by saying thank you for telling me. Now I can relate to you as well. How do we get here? Joshua and Caleb got here by trusting God. But this land right here, it's, it's, not, it's not like Care Bears. You know, I I'm, I'm just reference the 80s cartoon. It's not all perfect down here either. There's giants in the land. There's fighting going on here. There's there's victory to still be won. There's still some battles here, but it's still the land of milk and honey. But but the dominant theme throughout, throughout all these things is by grace through faith, by grace through faith, by grace through faith. And maybe that's why Martin Luther said, anything that challenges by grace through faith, I'm going to stand up against it, even if it means my life. Even if it means I have to stand before Pope Leo X in the Diet of Worms and put my life on the line. I'm going to do it. Because you don't mess with grace through faith. It's all God. It's all God. Um, Loma there. I would like to end. I would like to end our service by singing another version of Psalm 124. It's from the same album that we listened to. A mighty Fortresses our God. It's a conference that re- it's very very special to me because I sang all these songs with my dad at the Promise Keepers in 1997. I believe it was in L.A. And you can imagine there, are, there were tens of thousands of men in this amphitheater who had made promises to love their wives and their children better. And it was just, a, it was just all about surrender. It was all about surrender. So when I, when I hear this song, especially now singing about... This is my favorite version of Psalm 124, um, I'm going to ask you to stand with me and sing it, and and I want I want I want you to do this. I would like everybody to sing this song like you've been set free. I'm going to give you if you didn't know you needed it. I'm going to give you permission to to to, to raise your hands and dance as if you've been set free, okay? With no shame. Um, this one's this one's kind of uh, it's kind of up, it's kind of upbeat. I love this version. I'll play. I'll put the lyrics on there for you. But um, see if you can just go with the Lord, not worry about anybody else. Think about how he saved you and just, and just worship him and just worship him. Okay, let's, let's sing this song.
0: Thanks for having fun with us today. Thanks for letting us be a little less traditional today because of organic success. But you know what? It's important to kind of lose, isn't it? It is not it Hey, some of us, water buffaloes, lions, are going to have lunch next door. You're welcome to join us. Please come have a good time with us.